You're listening to audio from City Light South Church. If you'd like to check out more resources and find ways to get involved, go to citylightsouth.org.au. Good morning, everyone. It's uh, really good to be here to share God's Word with you. I'm sure some of you are still buzzing from that epic um, penalty shootout last night between Australia and France. (laughs) I hope they uh, go all the way. Well, this morning we're going to continue in our series on Do I Have To? And we're going to look at a big question, do I have to forgive everyone? Have you ever been invited to a party and have thought to yourself, I hope so-and-so is not going to be there? Or have you been invited to go somewhere with your family and hope, oh, I hope that family's not there? It's so easy to have these grudges and these thoughts and things built up in us about um, offences that very easily um, grieve us. For me, the little things that annoy me most in my family and with my wife are little attitudes that I have when something's not done. And I usually go, oh, that's a third time that hasn't been done. I wish I had not seen that or wish I could, you know, do that. And my wife would say to me, oh, you don't need to make a big song and dance about it. Just go and do it. And so, yes, it's about my loving attitude just to go and do it. And it's so easy to keep count of annoyances and offences that so easily um, grieve us. Another incident is a guy at work. He uh, has been working there with me for about 15 years and seems to get away with doing the most minimal amount of work. And it really um, annoys me. And another guy, and and we have this calendar, we used to have this calendar, where we'd cross off days that he wasn't there because he's working from home. And so it would just um, be really annoying because he would then get away with having to do stuff and then we'd need to rely on him. And so then we'd be chatting about it and it would just be a real annoyance to us. So I've had to learn in my heart how to respond in a forgiving way, not to you know, talk about him to others and not to have plans where I'd want to email and just try and get him in trouble for um, doing a minimal amount of work or not doing what he should do. You see, we live in a broken world with broken relationships that are so constantly marred by friction, betrayal, hurt, intentional, unintentional, and even unexpected. See, forgiveness is one of the hardest things that you'll have to do. If we don't forgive, bitterness, vengeance, and even hatred will start to consume and to control you. C.S. Lewis said, forgiveness is a beautiful word until you have to forgive someone. Who is the hardest person that you find to forgive? If forgiveness is so important yet so difficult, can we forgive? How can we forgive? You see, forgiveness is... Um, a dominant theme in the Bible, starting from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. We see God forgiving his people. We see Jesus in the Gospels, how he displayed forgiveness. Even in in the letters to the New Testament churches, Paul asked them to forgive as Christ forgave. So this morning, we're going to see that when we truly understand how great a price Jesus paid for forgiveness of our sins on the cross and experience that forgiveness that we can choose to forgive others and ourselves. Forgiveness is our greatest need and God's intended pathway and process for restoration and healing of relationships. To truly and totally forgive, we need God's grace and love. So this morning, to unpack this question, we're going to look at Matthew 18 and the parable of the unforgiving servant. We're going to see that forgiveness of our sin is our greatest need Forgiveness releases us, but unforgiveness binds us. And lastly, forgiveness is exemplifying Jesus. 
Turn with me now to Matthew chapter 18, and we're going to read from verses 21 to 35. Matthew 18. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say unto you seven times, but seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay his master, he ordered him, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience on me and I'll pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I'll pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servant saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. They went and reported it to their master, all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. See, that question that Peter asked in that first verse there, Peter was asking, what is the limit or boundary of forgiveness? In those days, the rabbis taught that forgiving someone two or three times was enough. But Jesus' answer would have probably shocked him. 70 times 7? 490? That's impossible. How am I going to do that? How do I keep record of how many times I've forgiven? Well, that's the point. Jesus does not want us to keep count. He does not want us to remember. He doesn't want us to run out of forgiveness. He said forgiveness is not about keeping count. It is about losing count. We so easily keep count. We say, 10 years ago, I remember when you did that to me, or that's the third time that I told you about that. Or you might say, forgiveness is so hard, you don't understand what this person did to me. No, forgiveness is such a hard thing, so how are we supposed to do it? How are we going to forgive someone when they have constantly and maybe even continually hurt me? Why should we forgive? What is the motive that's going to compel us to forgive? What's going to cause us to have an attitude where we want to forgive someone? Well, you see, forgiveness is an issue of the heart. And we can't change the state of our heart. So that's why Jesus went on to tell this parable to illustrate his point. A servant owed a huge sum of money to his master. There was never a way that this servant was going to be able to pay back the debt he owed. You see, 10,000 talents was a huge sum of money, equivalent to about $6 billion. So the king said, if you're not going to be able to pay it, then you're going to have to sell your wife, your children, all that you have to pay this debt. He fell down, worshipped and said, have patience with me and I'll pay you. And the king was moved in compassion, released him and forgave his debt. 
So with these few verses, what do we learn about forgiveness? We learn that forgiveness is costly, that forgiveness is a choice, and that forgiveness sets us free. You may ask, well, what does the word forgiveness mean? What is forgiveness? Forgiveness comes from the Greek word which means to let go, to release, to set free. Forgiveness is required when an offence has been committed and a debt needs to be paid. Forgiveness is to release my right to hold on an offence towards someone. In the parable, the master chose to let what was owed to him go. Six billion dollars just let go? Forgiveness was shown by the king when he released the servant from his unpayable debt. You see, in the parable here, the king or master represents God. And the servant in debt of $6 billion represents you and me. You see, we are the ones in debt to God. Not financially, but spiritually. You see, God is not like us. He is so holy, so perfect, so just in every good way. God knows everything about you. All about us. He knows what we think. He knows every sinful act we've done. Psalm 139.2 said, God knows when I sit down, when I rise, he knows my thoughts from afar. Matthew 12.36, Jesus said that we must give an account of every idle word we have said. This means he keeps an account of every sinful thought and act you have done. You see, we've racked up a huge debt towards God. What Jesus wants you and I to see is that so often we think the crimes committed against us are greater than the crimes we have committed against God. Our sin is a total offence to God, and we owe far more than we realise. You see, you and I are the ones with a $6 billion debt. You may say, hang on, that's a bit extreme, that's huge. But deep down in your hearts, you know we have a huge debt before God. Our greatest need is the forgiveness of our sin. In verse 26, we read, So the servant fell down on his knees, imploring, Have patience on me, and I'll pay you everything. The servant was kidding himself, thinking that he could pay back a $6 billion debt to the king. You see, all our futile attempts to repay what we owe to God will never, ever come close. In verse 27, Out of pity, the master of that servant released him and forgave him that debt. The master was deeply moved in himself with compassion towards the servant. You see, in this parable, Jesus is describing the very heart of God. Yes, God is totally holy and just. He can't just say, the debt is forgiven. Someone has to pay the debt. In this parable, the king himself, out of the abundance of his wealth, pays the debt. The king dissolved the servant's debt, and this would have come at an incredible cost. This is an amazing picture of what God has done for you and me. At the cross, God gave his only sinless son to pay for our debt. Colossians 2 verses 13 and 14 says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. That is, set aside, nailing to the cross, Jesus has forgiven all your sin. Let's just think about that word, all. All your sin. Everything that you have ever done committed against God. That is your sin, past, present, future, forgiven. Your debt has been released. 
doesn't matter what you think about yourself, what others say to you, you are forgiven. Jesus says you're forgiven, you're free. You owe more than you realise, but you have been given far more than you deserve, far more. God chose to forgive your debt of sin. Instead of you and me dying on that cross to pay the penalty for our sin, Jesus paid that penalty on the cross. Romans 5.8 says, But God showed his love to us in that while we get sinners, Christ died. Hebrews 9.22, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Why would Jesus choose to forgive you and me? Because he loves you and me so much. We are of so incredible value to him. He poured out his wrath and his love and grace at the cross so the unpayable debt can be paid. Jesus came to save us from the curse of sin we cannot release ourselves from. In Ephesians, Paul writes, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of trespasses according to the riches of his grace. God's forgiveness is the product of his grace and love. Even on the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. In Psalm 103, verse 12, David writes, God has removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. That's infinite. That's gone. Removed. Do you know how much your sins have been forgiven? Do you know the cost in your own life of what Jesus has done to forgive you all your sin? I just want to take a moment now to go through the misconceptions of forgiveness. See, forgiveness does not mean that we approve of what the person did or their evil. God never approved of our sin, but he forgave it. Forgiveness does not mean we excuse or cover up the evil of a person. Forgiveness does not mean that we justify the evil of a person. God never justified evil and does not require us to do so. Forgiveness does not mean that we pardon the offence. Forgiveness does not always mean reconciliation can happen. It is wonderful when reconciliation does follow forgiveness, but it takes willingness on both parts and agreement for this to happen. Forgiveness does not mean that we deny or are blind to what happened. You've probably heard the term forgive and forget, but this is not always possible. You see, deep hurts aren't just forgotten, and love doesn't erase memories. Instead, forgiveness chooses not to dwell on the hurt. Forgiveness does not mean that there are consequences of a person's actions. They aren't removed. A person must face the consequences of the offence. And boundaries still need to be set to protect a person or family, even when forgiveness is granted. Forgiveness does not mean you allow others to take advantage of you. Secondly, we want to see that forgiveness releases us and unforgiveness binds us. You see, the debt of sin against us has been released at the cross and we too can release those feelings of bitterness, resentment and hatred by God's grace and love. When we forgive, we are set free. Not only is total forgiveness through Christ costly, it is also powerful and life-changing. Life-changing in its application to our lives and in the consequence of our relationship. Forgiving someone requires humility, love and faith. We'll now look at what unforgiveness looks like and the consequences from verses 28 to 35. You see, the servant who had just been forgiven his debt went out and found one of his fellow servants he worked with who owed him around $12,000. 
He grabbed the man and started to choke him, saying, owe me what you I um, what gave to you. So the man fell down and begged his fellow servant to have patience with him. And he promised he'd repay the money. Instead of showing compassion and forgiveness, the servant organised for that person to be thrown into, into jail and to stay there until he paid all he owed. This event would have been seen by the other servants and they were horrified and reported it to the master. The servant was brought to the master and he was angry and told him how wicked he was. He said he should have forgiven him and had mercy as he had had mercy on him. You see, we look at verse 30, the servant was unwilling to forgive. He chose not to forgive. You see, the servant didn't truly understand how much he'd been forgiven. In verses 31 to 34, we want to see the terrible results of unforgiveness. The servant resented and showed hatred towards the fellow servant by physically attacking him and choking him for just a small debt he owed. There was no love. There was no mercy shown. He was so blinded by his vengeful attitude and desire for justice to be given. In verses 34 and 35, I'll just read them again. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from his heart. Some other versions say the tormentors, the prison. You see... Jesus said the servant was turned over to the tormentors and imprisoned. Did you know that unforgiveness is the worst prison you can be put into? This is the prison you are locked and caught in your desire for justice and revenge. This is a sad picture of where unforgiveness can take us if we do not pursue God's pathway for forgiveness. This picture of being thrown to the tormentors is quite serious. Studies have shown that if you harbour unforgiveness in your heart, this increases your levels of stress, increases depression, increases the propensity to get sick, increases your blood pressure, increases your likelihood of substance abuse. You see, forgiveness is tormenting you and torturing you physically, mentally and spiritually until it could destroy you. Jesus wants us to see how damaging and how awful unforgiveness is. An unforgiving heart reveals an unforgiven heart. When you accept the grace of Jesus shown at the cross, you put down your right to hold an offence against someone. When we see the incredible love and grace shown at the cross and are humbled by this, our response, if we have truly been forgiven, is to respond with love and grace toward the person who has offended us. Forgiveness is powerful and life-changing. Whenever you find yourself seeking justice or plotting revenge, this is not seeking forgiveness. We need to go back to the cross and look to Jesus. You see, I've struggled with learning how to show true forgiveness in my own family, in extended family. I've had thoughts of, how can I take this person down? How can I ruin them? I've even had thoughts of wanting to burn a person's house down because I wanted them to have justice and make it look like an accident. You see, that's not a forgiven heart. That is a revengeful heart, a heart seeking justice, which is wrong. My heart attitude was wrong. God wants us to trust him, to see what he says in his Bible, that he is the righteous judge. Romans 12, 17 to 19 says, Repay no one evil for evil, 
but give thought to do what is honourable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Forgiveness is a way of life for the Christian. As we forgive, we exemplify Jesus. Jesus said that we are to love our enemies, to do good to those who treat us wrongly, and to pray for them. You see, forgiveness is not only important in family life and work life, it's also very important in the church life. Paul exhorted in his letters to the churches to show forgiveness as Christ had forgiven them. Forgiveness, when we choose to forgive, we are releasing ourselves from the bondage of anger, bitterness and resentment. Even psychologists see how important forgiveness is. But it's all about freeing healing of oneself, which is important. But when we truly forgive, we are showing love to the unlovely. We are praying for those who hurt us and forsaking feelings of bitterness and resentment. An old Puritan put together a biblical definition of forgiveness. He said, forgiveness is when we strive against all thoughts of revenge, when we, will do, when we do not our enemies' mischief, but wish well to them, grieve their calamities, pray for them, and seek reconciliation with them. You probably know the verses, Ephesians 4.32, be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, even as Christ God forgave you. Colossians 3.13 says, bearing with one another, if any has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so also forgive. Yes, forgiveness is one of the hardest things you and I have to do. It may seem unfair, but true forgiveness is the only pathway to healing and restoration of relationships. It is only when we see how much we've been forgiven at the cross can we show forgiveness. True and total forgiveness demonstrates love and grace. And it is through this that we can experience emotional and spiritual healing. See, broken relationships restored. If we are to live like Jesus, we must forgive everyone. If we want to reach people for Jesus, we must have a forgiving heart. Unforgiveness hinders my growth as a Christian, hinders unity within the church, and hinders gospel outreach. Jesus is our perfect example of how to forgive. Yes, true and total forgiveness is hard, very hard. We all need God's grace and love to fill our hearts and flow from our hearts to extend forgiveness to those who offended us and hurt us. Forgiveness is something we all struggle with. And we all need to constantly go back to the cross. Go back to the cross to see Jesus and the incredible debt that he's released us from. If forgiveness is something that you really struggle with and you want someone to pray with you, this morning, as we have communion, I want to invite you to come up and chat with people who will be up here to pray with you. You see, we all need to help each other in this area. We all need to bear one another's burdens. We all need to pray with each other, to gather and pray. As we do this, God will work. 
He'll work in our hearts to release us from any and every attitude of unforgiveness in our hearts. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for the incredible way that you love us, for the incredible way that you sent your son Jesus to pay that enormous debt of owe which we owe. Lord, we do thank you that Jesus died and has paid that debt. Lord, we thank you that we are forgiven, we are set free, set free from every sin that can haunt us, that we remember. Lord, we are forgiven, we are set free. We thank you so much for that. Lord, forgiveness is a hard thing, but Lord, you want us to forgive. We pray that you'd fill us with your love and grace and help us to show that forgiveness to those around us. Lord, I pray that you'd be working in us to show the love of Jesus through our lives to others. In your name, amen. Thank you for joining us for another message from City Light South Church. You can find out more about our church and connect with us at citylightsouth.org.au.